Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Midtown Atlanta, it's time for Top Docs Radio, brought to you by Medical Association of Georgia. With over 7,800 physician members, MAG is pleased to advocate on behalf of Georgia's patients and physicians. Visit mag.org and on Twitter at mag1849. Join the conversation on Twitter at Top Docs on BRX. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Top Docs Radio Show. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. We are continuing our series with the Medical Association of Georgia, hosting them a couple of times a month. And I'm pleased today to have a couple of physician experts with us here in the studio today. We're going to be talking a little bit about a, a subject that ends up coming up. We've we've touched on it a time or two over the course of uh, the last couple of years, um, event that occurs where you maybe need some care, you seek that care at a hospital in your area, that hospital is found to be in network for your health plan, you get your care and you go home, and then a little while later, you get an explanation of benefits that says that some of the care that you received there is not in network, and now there's cho- charges that you, the patient, have to cover because you were seen by out-of-network physicians. And with me in the studio, Dr. Matthew Cady, he's been an emergency physician in the Atlanta area for nearly 20 years, began his career at Emory Healthcare, now works in the Emory and Grady Health System. He is the president-elect of Georgia College of Emergency Physicians and is a member of the Medical Association of Georgia, also an expert in emergency department billing, coding, and reimbursement. And I'm sure You've probably run into a couple of folks talking about what's this all about. <laughs> oh, sure, CW. We see this all the time. <laughs> and then we have also Dr. Mark Bernardi. He has been in private practice, general and interventional radiologist in Georgia for 30 years. He is a member of the Georgia Radiological Society's board of directors. Dr. Bernardi is vice chair of the American College of Radiology's Economics Commission and a board member of the Radiology Business Management Association. He is active in Georgia politics and advocating for patients, physicians, radiologists, and his advocacy efforts started with uh, colon cancer screening. And these two gentlemen are going to be able to share some great information with us about the topic of whether uh, these charges are, how, how can we anticipate them and what can we do about them? So, Dr. Katie, I'll, I'll just start with you. I mean, go into a little bit about this surprise gap that patients are being confronted with. Well, it, it's, CW, it's, it's a difficult issue and a complex issue. You know, when we talk about hospitals providing care and insurers, uh, it's a changing market. And it's really hard for us to figure out how to, how, to, how to make this problem work. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it, is what I would tell you. Yeah. I think we need to start and kind of talk a little bit about two separate situations, okay? So we have, we have kind of the, the, the part where patients can selectively choose who, what, where they get care in you know, non-emergency situations. So if I, I need something, I want to pick up you know, a doctor, you know, I look through my insurance book, I look on the internet, it may or may not be correct. Yes. And um, you know, I'm able to select someone that I think is in network. Okay. We need to also talk about how, you know, in emergency situations, and that's where the emergency medicine part of me comes in, is that you know, in an emergency situation, we don't have that luxury often. You know, these are, if someone has a heart attack yep. or they've been in a car wreck, they don't have time yeah. to figure out what's in network, where should I go? Often time dictates how quick they have to get to a facility and they can't really choose. 
or even they need to go somewhere that has specialty care. So if you're having a heart attack and they you need to go to a cath lab, not all facilities have cath labs that are open. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's really difficult in an emergency situation for people to to kind of pick and choose uh, where they're going to go. And when we talk about that surprise insurance gap, it's it's just that it's the insurance provider saying that we've got you covered in an emergency, saying we've got you covered for care. And then lo and behold, through a bunch of gobbledygook that you can't understand in a 100-page document, the patient comes to find out that they're not covered, that you know what they've been paying for for years is, is a surprise to them. And I guess that's one of the places where there's been a bit of a bone of contention is that whether it's realistic or not, or whether it's properly directed or not, uh, oftentimes that means the patient ends up being angry at the physician, thinking somehow, some way that they're creating a charge or or billing them for something that in a way that they didn't think was going to happen, I guess. And and so it's trying to kind of adjudicate that and, and help them understand it's, a, it's just a function of the way contracts are flowing, not someone doing something nefarious necessarily. Oh, correct. Uh, it's, 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 you know, from an emergency department standpoint, I mean, we're some of the most compassionate docs out there. Not saying the other specialties aren't compassionate, but, you know, we go into this knowing that we're going to provide care 24-7 to anyone, anywhere, anytime. We are the safety net of the safety net. When when people can't get care, the emergency department will be there to be there for them, to take care of them. But what ends up happening is this is a problem that the insurers have created. We've They've narrowed networks. We've taken providers and excluded them from negotiations and contracting so they can control costs. And what that ends up doing is it creates a in-network, out-of-network kind of situation where folks are getting, patients are being squeezed in the middle, unfortunately. And this is something that the insurers have created. I think that's the biggest thing we need to know. You know, be, me being an emergency department physician, many it does not affect me because I work at Emory. And, you know, we're a big multi-specialty group, and I'm able to negotiate good contracts with most of the insurers that are out there. But many of the, many of the uh, ED groups that staff these emergency departments or many hospitals and small groups are, are just that, small groups. And mm-hmm. they have absolutely no leverage with any of these insurance providers, and they're getting squeezed. And Dr. Bernardi, from what I understand, this is, what we're talking about here is somewhat a function of what they call balanced billing. And I know that over the last two or three years, particularly as the laws changed and, you know, with some intent, the, the patient's obligation to their care has gone up it, it, with the notion being that if I, as a patient, I have to spend more of my dollars on care I am opting for, then perhaps I will be more judicious with my use of uh, my health care, uh, as well as maybe be inspired to do more on my own at home that's not related to receiving care that will help my my situation of health. But part of that increased obligation that I'm talking about uh, comes down through the way of balance bills that that you get. That's what I was talking about. You get a, a letter, and from what I understand, it's a it's 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 not a new charge. It's the balance that's remaining after the insurance plan pays. Am I on the right track with that? Yeah. I- I hate to call it the insurance game, but the insurance game is gotten a lot more complicated. Um, And I, you know, we're transitioning, as you uh, alluded to, we're transitioning from a healthcare system where most patients, or uh, maybe we should call them now healthcare consumers, didn't take a very active role in 
in their healthcare and didn't take a very active role, particularly in the financing of their healthcare than for it. And so we started out with indemnity insurance way back when, which was just the insurance company said, okay, you have a broken leg, it's worth X number of dollars, here's the check. Right. And then we went to co-pays and deductibles. Yes. And that was pretty easy to understand if because that was that was really back in the age where most insurance companies uh, contracted with everybody. They they covered they contracted with all the hospitals and they contracted with all the physicians. And so the way as a healthcare consumer that you could tell the difference between a policy was how much was the premium and how much was the copay and deductible. It was pretty easy to figure out, you know, what you might be out of pocket for over a course of a year. Then the next level of complexity were networks, and now they're are in-network deductibles and out-of-network deductibles right. and co-pays and and the and this whole idea of of balanced billing really started to come up when co-pays and deductibles went into f- force. You know that it was a typical to have an insurance policy where the, you you know you paid the first two hundred and fifty dollars or five hundred dollars and then it was eighty twenty after right, that. Right, right. You paid twenty percent of the doctor's charge and and the insurance company paid 80%. So it was pretty pretty simple to to eat. patient could calculate the balance bill themselves. They could say, okay, you know, I went in and I had a chest x-ray and the doctor charged me $10 and the radiologist charged me 10 bucks, so I owe 2. That was pretty easy to do. But now it it's gone to such degree of complexity that there's in network and there's out of network and and then what happens and it's become as a healthcare consumer myself I think it's been become somewhat of a shell game as to as it's very confusing. Dr. Mark Bernardi and Dr. Matt Cady here with us on our episode with Medical Association of Georgia. We're talking a little bit about surprise bills, balance bills that patients receive when they are seen in what they thought to be an in-network provider or location. And then they learn that uh, when the bills come, that there actually was at least a component of that, whether it was a physician or the building, it can it can be one or the other uh, that is or is not in-network causing a, a a charge that the patient did not anticipate, and sometimes those can be substantial. And I know that one of the things that Medical Association of Georgia is working on, along with other physician advocacy groups, is coming up with strategies to propose something around how can we change this so that this isn't happening, or or at least it happens a whole lot less often. Can you gentlemen talk a little bit about, we can start with you, Dr. Katie, if you like, talk a little bit about what are we doing from a legislative perspective to try to change things a little bit? Sure. Well, I can start off, Mark. Just so there, there, there's kind of a little history behind this. Uh, last year, there was a bill that came up uh, that was didn't make it out of committee, and uh, this year, there's two bills that are out there that uh, we're looking at that Mag's you know providing insight on and providing some feedback. One is SB eight, which is currently in the Senate. Uh, Health and Human Services Committee. Uh, this will be the third time the bill has re- been rewritten, uh, which, you know, if something's been rewritten three times, you know, there's problems with it. Uh, but they're currently looking at that, and that's actually going to be up in committee today. And there's also a House bill that's coming through the Insurance Committee in the House, uh, House Bill 71, I do believe, that's looking at it from a different way. Uh, it is actually requiring all hospital-based providers 
to be in network. And it's saying that the hospitals then have to negotiate for you. Um, MAG has kind of, and you know, the sad thing about both of those bills, it doesn't solve the issue completely. Both of those bills still allow balance billing to occur under certain situations, and it doesn't completely do away with the problem. If we want to talk about a solution that really is patient-centric, we should talk about, you know, what, what principles that MAG supports and what, you know, MAG supports and what we all have agreed upon coming, you know, the House of Medicine is that, you know, the patient should be held harmless in these, especially emergency situations when they have no control. Basically, balance billing would go away. But what we need to make sure is that we have some semblance of a what we call a minimum reimbursement standard in those situations. So if we can ensure that the providers are compensated fairly in those situations where we're not having to fight continuously with the insurance providers, we can come up with something that's agreeable, I think, on all sides of the street. I think the other piece that's important, and Mark certainly can talk about this a little bit with consumerism, is transparency. And that's the other thing with complexity that's out there that makes it really hard, is making sure that the insurance or trans the insurers are transparent with their networks, with who is in network, out of network, uh, that providers are able to tell folks, uh, you know, who who they're insured with and whatnot. So, from what I understand, I guess around the transparency component, that's one of the elements that makes this difficult for the patient to understand going in until they perhaps get a balanced bill. Is that they can do their due diligence before they go to the hospital if they're, you know, in a situation where maybe they need care, but it's not an emergency like you've talked about, such that they actually can go in advance and look, is this in network, this place in network? Yes, my doctor is right here on the list. And then you go to that uh, provider of care and and uh, then you still get an out-of-network bill because the network has changed. Apparently, there's the with some measure of, of frequency, the network changing and you didn't realize it. And I guess in some cases, the doctor themselves don't even really realize it right away. Well, it's complex. Like we said, I mean, you go into your doctor's office, say, yeah, I'm with Blue Cross Blue Shield, right? You know, how many Blue Cross Blue Shield flavors are there out there? I think last I saw, there were probably over 20 different Blue yeah, Cross plans Blue Shield plans. Plan. So, and then you start talking about rental networks and, you know, is my credential sold to another plan to help cover for insurance? It, it gets really complex. I was reading an email the other day from an ophthalmologist, which I thought was very interesting. They had opted out of some of the insurance plans because they it just it wasn't working out for them. And then every couple of years, their names show back up on the insurance roster. And so then patients start calling them. Correct. And it I creates see. a problem. So. That's why we got to hold them accountable for transparency and keeping those rosters up to date. It's, you know, it's, it's a bill of goods that's being sold and it's not, it's not good for the patients in Georgia. Are there things that we can do about that component of it? Oh, certainly. I, uh, uh, to back up just a little bit, CW, I think it's important for the uh, listeners to know that this isn't just a Georgia problem. This is going on all across the country. There are at least 15 states, about half of which have already passed legislation and it's in either pending, sometimes they're in court battles, sometimes they're being modified, they've got more bills coming. Uh, there's a number of states that have uh, uh, pending legislation that hasn't passed it like we have, although we did pass last year a, a very a good bill for consumers 
that demanded the insurance companies publish accurate uh, networks or accurate lists of network in-network providers. Um, but you know we're we're making this transition from patients to healthcare consumers, and it's it's a daunting task. I would tell you that if I sit in a room full of physicians and ask them how their insurance policy works, <laughs> their personal insurance yes, policy, yes. most of them have no clue. Sure. They really have Until no idea. Try to put it to use, um, and uh, it's often. The, the billing side of our practices, the billing side of the emergency practice, the billing side of the radiology practice that finally explains to the patient actually what's covered and what's not and what they may wind up owing and what not. I think one of the solutions needs to be that we need to get out there and demand that the insurance companies provide as much information as patients need to make first uh, an accurate choice of what policy they want to buy and then exactly how that policy uh, applies and works. I think that's uh, something that as patient advocates or consumer advocates, we all should be in favor of. I would imagine that given the already, you know, relative paucity, if not even just absence of certain specialists out in the rural communities, we were talking about the fact that when you're not in a community like we are here in the metro where there's numerous physicians and numerous centers where you can go for care and you're uh, out in rural Georgia and you have limited choices and it's a drive to get to one place or another. How is, how is this affecting that space in terms of, I would imagine, from the physicians themselves trying to recruit doctors into that space? It's got to be somewhat di- difficult just from geography, but then when you layer over it some contractual challenges like this, it's got to be kind of harsh on the rural community with regards to delivering healthcare. What they found in Texas was that um, the insurance commissioner, who apparently is not very provider friendly and not very active in Texas, found that uh, there was at least one insurance company who had contracted with hospitals all across the state of Texas, but not a single physician. Um, Aetna admitted that they had, uh, and I believe this is correct, this is from the Consumer Reports um, uh, article on this. Uh, Aetna in Texas had contracted with um, 60, or excuse me, they contracted with hospitals of, of which 68% they had no physicians on, on in their uh, network. So it did, wouldn't matter if you were going in for an emergency room visit, the ambulance dropped you at the emergency room, or whether you were going in for a chest x-ray or, you know, you fell off your bike and hurt your shoulder, it, it didn't matter. I mean, there was no doctor. Everything was going to be out of network. And I think that's, that's the game, unfortunately, the insurance companies are playing. They're, they're trying to offer policies at what they think the consumers want to pay, but they have obscured what's actually going to be the cost of health care if you want to do it, if you want to use it. So to pick, piggyback on that some, Mark, there's actually some national uh, studies out there that an emergency physician has looked at, looking at network adequacy and some of the requirements through the ACA plans that are out there. And what he found is that a significant number of them, I think almost a quarter of them, lacked some specialty in a certain geographical, in a determined geographical area that was reasonable for the patient to get to. To me, that's not a comprehensive plan, uh, despite having a mandate that they are required to provide certain levels of coverage and care to their patients. 
Now, if we want to get back to Georgia and talk about, you know, how this potentially could impact our rural healthcare system, I mean, the Georgia rural healthcare system's in crisis right now. Mm-hmm. We've had, I think, over the last couple of years, eight facilities have closed. And I think it's highlighted by the fact that Cook County is about to close their facility. And why is that important? Because that's the same facility that just received a number of patients when the tornadoes just ripped through Georgia. Number of patients died, number of patients injured. They all went to Cook County because that was the community hospital there. Um, If it was a week later, that facility wouldn't have been available to provide care to those patients. And they would have had to go on long distances to get care for potentially life-threatening injuries, which I know is not what we want for patients. So, you know, the governor addressed this last year when we looked, when he looked at kind of the rural healthcare system and had a a big group that he brought together and made some recommendations to help. Um, but if we're talking about rural Georgia and the healthcare system in Georgia, it's it's at a tipping point. I think the AJC did an expose last year looking at the financial state of many of these hospitals. I think more than 50% of them were in the red last year, and that's not getting any better this year. So anything we do that's going to favor the insurance companies you know, that's going to take money out of potential pockets of patients or put it more in the patients, but shift, you know, savings to the insurers is going to threaten our rural health care system in the state. And then if you top it off with some of these bills that are out there, some of the subspecialists that we, we rely on to provide care uh, may not be in the hospitals anymore. So if we need a, a plastic surgeon to repair a, a horrible, you know, facial injury or repair a hand problem, you may not have one available to you because they they may just say, we're, we're going to go work in our small little surgical center and not provide coverage or care because it's just, it's just not worth it anymore. We've been talking with doctors Matthew, Katie, and Dr. Mark Bernardi, learning a little bit more about the surprise insurance coverage gap that many patients experience when they go for care and some, or even in some cases, all of the uh, care that they thought was being delivered through an in-network provider ends up being out of network due to changing um, network geography, if you will, as to who is and who is no longer in a particular contract. And I know that the, the physicians are putting together a bit of a campaign in the Surprise Insurance Gap campaign. Talk a little bit about that, what it's what it's trying to achieve and how you're going about it. So, you know, we're trying to control the message once again. You know, we have, we've We've had a hard time with that. You know, insurers, they have continual contact with their patients. You know, every time, you know, there's a problem with the bill, they're always able to contact. And, you know, that's been the voice of reason. Right. So we're, we're, we're trying to take back the message. I mean, we, we know this is a problem that the insurers have created. Uh, and we need to be advocates for our patients to ensure that they're getting adequate coverage. So we've brought together a large group through MAG. All of the House of Medicine has been involved trying to uh, create a, a solution for this problem that works best for uh, providers and patients in Georgia. When it comes to being a patient, do you, do you have recommendations for strategies or ways that they can avoid this? Or I guess if they wanted to try to activate a little bit and advocate on behalf of themselves and their their neighbors, what can they do about this? I assume probably call somebody of importance and say, hey, this is happening to me. As opposed to our, our national congressional delegation, which spends a good deal of its time in Washington, uh, our state senators and, and uh, representatives are 
hometown people. I mean, they have uh, usually about 40 days a year where they spend at the Capitol and the rest of the time they reside in district. And most all of them are home at least a couple of three days a week. Um, I, I, I would encourage uh, people to uh, contact them, particularly when they're home. They don't need to necessarily fight Atlanta traffic to become an advocate for themselves or for, uh, for them uh, patients. Or, uh, they can uh, talk, to, talk to their legislators at home and, uh, and, and educate them on what's important to them. Um, I, I really think that they need to uh, suggest that the uh, solutions to these problems need to be focused on what's uh, good for the patients as healthcare consumers rather than what's good for the insurance company or what's good for the physicians or or the hospitals. I, I think that all needs to be taken in. We, we need to have a healthy business environment, and certainly George has been uh, very good at creating a healthy business environment. I think this is a true issue of where our healthcare, when our healthcare system changes, we need to put the patients first. When it comes to your colleagues in the community who are also dealing with this, um, sometimes from a patient's perspective, but also as physicians, I mean, do you have recommendations for your colleagues out there? Many of the people that'll be listening just through our, our, our partnership with MAG are going to be physicians. What would you say to them about? Get involved. That's number one. Learn about the problem and, you know, have a voice. Uh, that's part of the problem with medicine these days is you don't see enough people involved with the problem. And from what I understand, there's a number of ways you can do that. You can do it directly, just like you're, you're recommending that an individual does with their local legislators. But there's a number of ways by being a member of MAG that you can talk to somebody about what you're experiencing and get educated as well as express what is occurring where you live and practice. Oh, sure. I think I think the biggest thing is having interest. I mean, having interest in being involved and caring about your patients and caring about your practice, because these are these are the issues that are important to us. And that we if we don't if we don't control the message, if we don't uh, show people what's important to us. We did this years ago when we left the hospitals and let 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 other folks run things. Um, We need to take control of it and say, this is what's important for Georgia. This is what's important for our patients. And this will protect, you know, the practice of medicine in our state. I I think that physicians aren't really any different than most other members of the public. They're busy with their own lives, whether it be their their, uh, professional life or their their family life. Most of them don't have a dynamic desire to get involved in politics. But... um, as opposed to what we see on the nightly news where they're talking about how to reform the Affordable Care Act or whether uh, Congressman Price is now the, the uh, been confirmed as uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services. Um, a lot, if not most, of what truly affects the practice of medicine in Georgia happens downtown Atlanta. So uh, you don't need to... Why, why you you can pay attention to that for for interest's sake. Uh, what's really going to affect your practice and your patients happens in downtown Atlanta, and that's where. And like I said, you don't need to go to downtown Atlanta to have an effect. You can get to know. I, I, I will venture to say that every single legislator down at the Capitol has a hometown physician, and that's a that's a good place to start. 
And would you recommend, obviously, I know the Medical Association of Georgia website is a good place to get some information. Are there other resources that you suggest that somebody wants to educate themselves or um, become more involved beyond that that maybe they need to check out? So if they're interested in learning a little bit about uh, the surprise insurance gap, there is a website. Of course, you got me on the spot now, CW, hey, so it's escaping me. It's the hard-hitting question. But it's, uh, I want to say it's in the surprise gap. Dot org. We'll make sure we get a link for it. Yeah, the get a link too. for it. And the insurancegap.org. That's exactly right. There you go. Yeah. See? Yeah. See? Put me on the spot and I'll fall apart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what we do here. We, we, <laughs> we, we tear down our guests. But I, I definitely appreciate you gentlemen taking some time. I know you're both very busy. Uh, clearly, it's a topic that has a great impact on the patients and the physicians that are delivering care to them here in our state. So I'm happy to have you come in and be able to shed some light on it and then also talk about some of the things that are being done to try to impact this and put an end to the surprise bill that a patient gets if there's a balance that remains because of in-network versus out-of-network status that can change. Was that a question, CW? I was I just saying, tell. you got any final thoughts before I let you get back to your day? <laughs> well, I think Mark hit it right on the head is get involved. And, uh, you know, that's the only way we're going to be able to influence and change things and make sure it's important for our patients. I think the biggest thing from my standpoint is of the solutions that are out there that are currently being bandied about in the legislature and of the ones that are being proposed, really the only one that effectively makes this go away for patients and protects our patients is kind of the mag solutions that are out there that we're that we're currently fashioning a bill for. So that that to me is probably the best option for patients that are out there uh, to make this completely go away. The other bills address the issue, but they're they're entirely too complex and they they don't really get to the heart of the matter. And I think the MAG solutions and the principles that we have are probably the, the best that are out there for our patients in Georgia. Yeah, I think if you look at it from the patient's point of view, the solutions uh, that have been proposed to date in the legislature have honestly come from the insurance side of the argument. And uh, if uh, our patients uh, want to act as healthcare consumers and want to uh, improve their ability to understand and use their insurance, uh, then they need to partner with their physicians. That's where the solutions will come from that I think that'll best benefit our patients. I, I agree. And I'm pleased to be here to help uh, the folks at Medical Association of Georgia share information like this to both patient as well as physician and, and other healthcare clinicians around the, the state of Georgia and beyond. Uh, you may notice in the upper left-hand corner of the show page, the Apple logo. That'll take you to the iTunes store where the Top Docs Radio Show podcast lives. You can subscribe to us. That way, each week when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded straight to your device, ready for you to check out when it's convenient for you. And it's a, it's a, some of these topics are really important. We, we really appreciate it, and it's important. If you turn around and click share on this, put it out on Facebook, put it out on LinkedIn. So, uh, Friends, neighbors, and colleagues of yours can actually get informed straight from the experts uh, through our show here. So all the folks that do turn around and click share, I want to say thanks so much. We really appreciate that. It's helping us get the word out. Gentlemen, I know you are busy, as I said. I really appreciate you taking some time to join us here in the studio today. Thank you, CW. Thanks, CW. It's been a pleasure. Everyone over at Medical Association of Georgia, thank you so very much. We appreciate your partnership and making this possible. We look forward to seeing you all next time. See you then. 